right now. I declare we are aggressively pursuing the words of Paul when he says to the Corinthian church, eagerly desire the best gifts of the Holy Spirit. Ask God for what you need and pursue it. We need miracles in our lives and in the lives of the people that we serve. My prayer list this past week looks fairly difficult, almost impossible. A friend who needs $1,700 by noon hour today. A young woman in suicidal throes. A family with a drug-addicted son. A loved one in a brand new business venture. Citizenship troubles. Court dealings. Dear ones who are fighting all kinds of diseases and depressions. And, and uh, are up against dysfunction. A long list of prodigals who need to come home. A promising young man who's heading down the wrong path. And more than a few mar marriages that are in battle mode. The list is long, and the people are desperate. I make the list because I have faith. I believe that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And I make the list, I pray through the list with passion and with tears most days. Uh, just because I believe that these mountains must be moved. I believe they will move. I will not stop until I see them moved. I have a voice. And you have a voice. And that voice is to be used to declare who God is. That voice is to decree that God is at work and that this mountain that stands in front of you and stands in front of me impeding progress will be lifted up and will be moved, will be thrown into the middle of the sea so it doesn't bother us again so that we can go forward. And this morning, I want to talk to you about using your voice to bring miracles through to fruition. It would, it would be good for you to have a pen and a paper uh, I, because I want you to write down some of these verses and I, and I want you to train your voice to declare the power of God and the decree, the work of God to be done in the place where you are pastoring, where you're caring for people because you're going to run into some mountains and I want you to know how to get rid of them. We are, as you know, going to Mark chapter 11 where we've been all summer. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 Listen to the truth that I speak to you, Jesus says. If someone says to this mountain, with great faith and having no doubt, mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea, and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. I have a question for you. Through the summer, as you have been in or driven through or flown over the mountains, how many of you have at least thought of trying to speak to one of those mountains and moving it? We've driven through it. We've driven to them. We've flown over them. And I, and I have thought about that. For your own safety, I, I warn you to stay away from Debbie's mountain. 
She loves Rundle. She claims it as her own, and if you were to move it, the consequences would not be glamorous for you. So leave Rundle alone, okay? But, but this is Jesus speaking originally to the disciples on his way to the cross, and now speaking to you and me about our mission, our assignment. When you are working, when you're serving people, and you come to an obstacle that is as big as a mountain, as hard and as unmanageable as a mountain, this is what you do. You speak to the mountain. You verbally command it to be lifted up and thrown into the sea. Now, as polite Canadians, we don't do that. We, we, we don't know what to do with it. Speaking to inanimate objects. Truth be known, we, we all do it. We just do it quietly so that no one overhears us doing it. We, we talk to the lock that won't open, the car that won't start, the computer that has its frozen screen and the zipper that won't zip. You we speak to them. We just don't want to be caught doing it. But Jesus says, speak to the obstacle that's in your way. Use your voice. Be assertive, be authoritative, and be certain. You see, Jesus is a part of a family-based organization that believes there is power in your words. He, he watched his father, and his father spoke, and worlds came into existence. He himself spoke to storms, to disease, to demoniac beings, and need with his voice, and with successful expectation that there would be transformation, that there would be power released, that there would be life restored, that bondage would be broken, that health would be returned. He didn't doubt. He believed that he had the expectation that there would be verifiable reaction to the spoken word. We're going to use two words here this morning that I want to pull out and to define for you. The words are declare and decree. Declare and decree. They have similar impacts and the meanings are close enough that they're often used interchangeably. But I, I, I want to attempt to show you the difference so that you can raise your voice effectively and with understanding. First is the word declare. You, you come home to Canada from, from a foreign country and you meet the Canadian border and you're asked to make a declaration. Where have you been? What have you done? How much have you brought back into the country in the form of gifts and goods? Then at the bottom of the page, there's this question. Do you attest that everything you declared here is true? In fact, the government will ask you constantly to sign and make sure that your declarations are true and accurate so that if they find that you haven't told the truth, they can come back and charge you. In the area of going after miracles, a declaration is very important. Circumstances will shout you down. Unbelief will attack you like thugs on a playground. And the crowd will yell and insist that this is impossible. A normal person would quietly back away and run home, lock the door, and pretend that they've seen nothing, understood nothing, and that they are going to do nothing. But I'm your pastor, and I don't want you to be ordinary people. 
I'm preaching that you'd be extraordinary. I, I want you to be beyond ordinary. A declaration is an accurate True statement that makes reality clear, explains why the chaos is not normal and isn't going to remain in place, interprets to an unbelieving generation why something that has been terrorizing and tormenting people for a very long time is not going to remain in place, why the status quo is not acceptable any longer. My declaration, my go-to declaration for the last... 12 or 13 months has been Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. I think, I think just about every day I have prayed this out loud. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes him. I I am stating truth when I say that no matter how messed up the people or the circumstances are that I stand in the middle of, I I know that there is truth and and that it's working for me in my mission. God has incredibly amazing powers to accomplish anything. My requests will never get to the place where I exhaust his power. My dreams can't ever be so big that they overpower him. And my wild imagination can never bring him to a place where God has to say to me, I'm sorry, Bill, that's something I just can't do. His power energizes me. I'm making clear my declaration of that verse, who God is and what God can and is willing to do. There have been places that I've been that are so dark so desperate, so intense that the only thing that I have time to do is to declare with authority, Jesus is Lord. In in other words, agents of darkness, I, I say that, I'm telling you that, I'm here under authority and with the power of Jesus, so in the best interest of your safety, it would be good for you to surrender and vacate right now. I declare truth, I declare the power and the authority of Jesus in this place, things are going to change. That's what it means when I stand in, in confusion and say, Jesus is Lord. Then we come to the word decree. It's a legal word. It has a formal and authoritative power. It has the force of law behind it. A decree absolute has the ability to formally and finally sever legally, a legally binding marriage. A decree signed by a judge entitles a police force to come and search your house and seize any relevant material without your consent or agreement. A decree has authority. It has the backing of the rule of law. Jesus comes to a man who has been lame since birth and says, I decree that your sins have been forgiven and that you are now able to get up, gather your things, and walk. And the result is that that the man who was seen by townspeople who knew his story and his ailment well, they watch as he gets up and he starts to try out his legs and pretty soon is dancing and shouting and praising God in a voice of celebration. 
What Jesus did there was, sickness, I decree that your power to hold this man hostage to pain and weakness is over. It's done. You have lost your rights, your ability, vacate the area. I decree it by the power of God that is vested in me. Your words are so powerful, Proverbs 18.21 says. Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. And then it goes on to say, a talkative person will reap the consequences. Words have power, and so use them correctly. Don't be a chatty Cathy if you're not wanting to wade into all sorts of trouble. Say what you need to say, but don't go on for a long time. I know some of you are sitting there saying, Bill, take your own advice this morning. I'll get you later. In my mind, I, I picture that it works something like this. When, a, um, when an explorer is out looking for new territory, looking for lands that, that he can claim for his king or queen or country, when he stumbles upon them, he comes on the shore and he takes the flag and he makes a, he makes a, a, a declaration. It makes a decree and says, listen, this land is ours. We don't know what the dangers are. We don't know what the resources are. But we believe that we've been brought here and that we're going to, we're going to take it over. We're going to harvest all that's here. We're going, to, we're, we're going to do something very significant and it's ours. It belongs to us. It belongs to us. And when the nation is being challenged by an enemy power, the crowds move to the streets. And one of the things that they have in their hands, even as we're watching in Hong Kong these days, I've got a young man that's on, in my heart and on my prayer list who's been in the streets for many of the days waving a flag in Hong Kong. And, and, and the flag is a symbol it says, you need, you, you enemies, you need to know we're, we're together, we're unified. You, you, you need to know that you don't have to mess with us. We love our nation. We love our freedom. We have the ability to be unified, a, a unified powerhouse, and we will marshal our resources and fight to the last man for our freedom. Our king has unlimited resources and power, and he will take us to victory. The declaration. You'll note that I'm using a lot of military metaphors. And that's because our mission takes place on a battlefield. And it's in a war for the well-being of people who need to discover the freedom and the life that comes through relationship with Jesus. I need you to underline a verse in your Bible so that you are aware of the seriousness of our mission. It comes from 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. 1 John 3, verse 8. But the one who indulges in a sinful life is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And here's the part that I want you to underline. The reason the Son of God was revealed was to undo and destroy the works of the devil. The reason the Son of God was revealed was to undo and destroy the works of the devil. 
Jesus came to undo and destroy the works of the devil. His mission is my mission. His work is our work. We have come to undo and destroy the works of the devil. How uncomfortable are you with the mission that you've been given? It's very quiet in here. It requires that we not just sit back and be sad that people are living and suffering and enduring the torment of a tyrannical, wicked kingdom. It requires that we wade in and that we undo and we destroy the works of the devil so that captives can go free. The, the Bible tells us that the devil has power and has ability, that he's deceptive, that he's cunning, that he's persistent. And Paul says, I don't want you to wander into battle, fray in an uninformed way. I want you to be aware of the power of your enemy. That's an accurate report. Your enemy has power, but you need a declaration of truth to come in, in to, to bring that into alignment and, and into perspective. From, from John chapter, or 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, little children, little children, you can be certain that you belong to God and have conquered them, for the one who is living in you is far greater than the one who's in the world. That's a declaration of truth. That brings perspective to it all. Church, be aware of this. You are here in this city, in this time, to carry out the works of Jesus. You are here to undo and to destroy the works of the devil. I want you to go home and I want you to repeat that over and over and over again this week so that it seeps down out of your, out of your head into your heart and permeates and is ingrained in every fabric of who you are. I'm at work for my God to undo and destroy the works of the devil. Say it over and over and over and over again. Declarations bring clarity, bring understanding to truth. They restore order. In, in my work, in my praying, I have, I have to get a sense or a, a picture of what's really happening. I have to get a sense of, of why it's happening. I, I have I found the voice of God to be so helpful, and, and that's why I believe and, and know that God does speak to us, both verbally and through his word. Several years ago, I was invited to a house uh, that was more like a circus, or, or more accurately, more like a haunted house set up for October 31st. There was a lot of noise when I got there. There was a lot of confusion. There were a lot of weird things that were happening, furniture that was moving without help, and, 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 and it was weird. The person who called me was at their wit's end and had no idea what to do or how to do it, so they called for backup, and I was the one. The person who invited me introduced me to the person in charge of the house who looked old before his time. Looked hopeless, looked helpless, and said with a great deal of conviction, looking into my eyes with dead eyes of his own, said, it's too late now. There's nothing you can do. The whole thing belongs to hell. I was thinking, why did I volunteer to come here? But as soon as he said that, there was inspiration that came. There was a word of scripture that I'd hidden in my heart, and it popped to life. 
I'd had no word before that, but when the man said those words, the verse that came to me was, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and everyone on it belongs to God. That leapt out of, that, that was the leaping point for my, for my time there. I started going room to room and declaring that. This mess is not a God mess, but these people are loved by God. They belong to God. He has purpose for them. It's a higher purpose than the mess that they're living in now. Every person I met, I declared, you belong to God, and we're going to get you connected to him. And some of them are in relationship with him, and a few more of that group are on their way but the journey began with, began with a declaration of truth. You are the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. I'm somewhat discouraged when I see Christians sitting in human weakness and declaring that we are in a very dark time and, and that things are getting worse and everyone who is not like them is evil and so we had better hide and hopefully hold on to Jesus until he returns and takes us away from this terrible mess. That doesn't seem to be the mindset of a people who are sent to undo and destroy the works of the devil. I declare that Jesus is Lord and that he's working things together for good and for God. And that this kingdom, his kingdom will come and his will has to be done here where we live in the same way it's working out in heaven. I see people in power who thumb their nose at God and his plan and think... You know, you need to understand that one day and one day soon, you will be forced to bend your knee and you will hear out of your mouth come a, a declaration with conviction that Jesus is the Lord. And so I'm wanting to work together on getting you there now rather than when it's too late to have a genuine change of hearts. It just, it just bugs me. And so you don't have to talk to me about it. I, I realize we all have our likes and dislikes. But as a Christian, I'm not required to tell you what my likes and dislikes are politically. My assignment is to pray for those who are in authority. And it doesn't matter how bad or how awful or how much they disagree with me. I'm asking kingdom of God, come to that brother, come to that lady, come to that leader. Will of God work in him. For me, declarations bring clarity. They bring understanding. They bring perspective. For me, walking into chaos, declaring truth, reminds me of what order looks like and makes me ready to work on moving the chaos to the order or towards the will of God. Decree, restore order. They, decrees restore order. They, they carry authority. They're backed by the law of God. When, when given with authority, they must be obeyed. Here, here are a couple of significant decrees that Jesus made. He's crossing the Sea of Galilee, and there's a storm that comes up, and, and even the weather-experienced fishermen that are in the boat are petrified. They're, they're absolutely intimidated by the size and dimensions of the storm because this is not a normal storm. This is a storm that's been inspired and, and created by, the, by the, the powers of darkness to destroy the man that's asleep in the hull of the boat so the plan of salvation can't be carried out. And so the, the men in the boat that are awake wake Jesus up and ask him if he doesn't care that they're all about to drown. And Jesus replies, 
Why have you allowed yourself to become captives of fear? Where is your faith in God? Where is your revelation of who God is and what God can do? And then he stood up and he rebuked the storm and said or decreed that the peace of God come to these waters now. That the peace of God come to the winds. And instantly his word was obeyed and it became perfectly calm. And the question of the, of the men in the boat was, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey his decree? Then, then a demon-possessed man shows up at a meeting that Jesus is speaking at with the, the mandate of, of disrupting and destroying the meeting. And listen to the words of the demons that are spoken through the voice of the man. Leave us alone. Jesus, the victorious one, I know who you are. You're God's holy one, and you've come to destroy me. Uh, allow me to say that it's time that the church had a greater revelation and understanding of who God is than what God can do, and what God can do than the demon sources have revelation of God. Jesus stands up and he decrees with authority and the power of heaven behind him, you will keep your silence. You are, not, you are now bound and have no freedom to move at will. And you are, as of this moment, homeless. I restore peace. I restore health to the man who's been tormented by you. Body, mind, soul, and spirit. The demon had no choice but to surrender, to obey, and to comply with the legal decree that was given by Jesus. When, when you come to work to undo and destroy the works of the devil, you need to be ready to move in with a spiritual and legal understanding of what is going on and what needs to be done to restore the order of heaven to the chaos. In Acts chapter 19, there's a story told about seven itinerants, Jewish itinerants, that travel town to town as exorcists. They're not having a great deal of success in the business of freeing people from demons. And so when they see the success that Paul and his team were having, they thought that the problem that they had was, was a wrong incantation. They weren't saying the right words in the right way at the right time. And so they watched Paul and they adopted his words. And, and they stand up and they started going to those that were demonized and saying these words, we, we've learned this from Paul, we cast you out in the name of Jesus, the Jesus that Jesus preaches. Well, it was working for Paul, but it wasn't really working for them, and they weren't sure why. And, and they get to one house, and they walk in to set the man free, and they say the words, and the demon replies, I know Jesus, and I am afraid of him. And in these parts, we recognize the power and the authority of Paul, but who do you think you are? And the demons turn on the, man, or on the men and beat them senseless and rip off all their clothes and send them running nude down the city streets in complete disarray, and shame. Saying words is not difficult. However, standing up with a power-packed decree that carries the authority of heaven in your words is a different matter altogether. Authority is found in 
biblical concepts. The first is revelation. That's a clear understanding, not just in information, but by experience and relationship of who God is and what God can do. It it happens in the transformation of our lives. It's in daily relationship where we meet God one-on-one and he shows us who he is and what he wants to do. In, in our verse, Mark eleven twenty three, 23, it's the confidence that comes from God and allows you to speak to mountains and not to doubt and not to waver. It, it comes out of mining truth for yourself out of this, this book, the Bible, the Word of God. It, it, it comes with fellowship and, and comes out of being alone in prayer and comes out of being together in corporate prayer. It's the result of teaching and fellowship and worship. It's God showing up in your need and revealing himself to be your provider, your healer, your your deliverer. It's a revelation of who God is and all that he can do that gives you confidence to go into the darkest pit where people are captive and declare, let there be light and let it come now. And know that the light will come and that the light will make a difference. It's revelation. But it's not only revelation, it's understanding and awareness. It's a a God-given ability to recognize what's really going on here. Who's pulling the strings and what motivations are at play. It's also understanding what God wants to do and and when he wants to do it. There, There has to be a clear capability to hear what God is asking us to do. We often walk into a situation and we're, we're caught staring and looking at the leaves of the tree when God is seeing and discerning the roots and what's going on to make this situation so toxic and dangerous. He's wanting us to see what he sees. He wants to give us that understanding. You think that the, the difficulty is between you and your neighbor, but he reveals to you and gives you the understanding that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. There's a a power behind that young man, that young woman, that's causing trouble. And then there's authority. The the Roman captain who came to Jesus asking him to heal his daughter said, listen, I, I understand authority. I am a man who's under the authority of Rome, but I'm here in Israel and I carry, I hold authority. And We need your authority, and so I know and recognize your authority, and and don't come to my house. You don't have to take that time. You could just stand here and declare, be healed, and my daughter will be well at home. And Jesus said, I've not seen faith like this anywhere in Israel. You know, we tend to be independent, rebellious who want to do what we want, when we want, and, and do it how we want, that work doesn't happen in a spiritual environment where miracles come. We have to be a people who understand that what it is to be under the authority of God, ready and willing to be able to do what he asks, when he asks, how he asks, with authority. But we also have to know how to handle authority. To step into power, to step into responsibility that God has given us and to know how to make sure that when all is said and done, God gets the credit and we're not out at the printers getting business cards printed with the word worker of miracles under our name. Authority. The the person who walks in the authority of God is not 
praying some weak, insipid prayer. Father, I, I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. I, I hope if this is your will, if this is your will, Authority knows the will of God. Knows the will of God for a situation and calls out kingdom of God come, will of God be done here and now. And finally, obedience to the instruction of God. I find that God doesn't often ask me to do things when it's convenient for me or when it's easy or when the conditions are perfect. He will often ask me to do something and he will find me fighting for my dignity or for a bit more of a guarantee from God or for some time to get my act together. Write this this reference down and underline it later in your Bibles. This is what I've been praying and will be praying over you. It's from Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 The mature children of God are those who are moved to action by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm praying for you. When God speaks by his Holy Spirit, we jump into action. You you, you see, lives are at stake. Destinies are on the line. Opportunity is near. And Jesus is saying, declare and decree what I've given you now. So so I speak about those those four areas of prep and response so that you stand able to declare and decree. And I I hear in your hearts people say, I'm a long way from being ready for that kind of spiritual action. I'm not there, maybe down the road, but not right now. People, we don't have a lot of time. I need you to be ready and willing to go yesterday. For, for, what re- for that reason, I'm going to show you a video clip that Debbie used a few years ago when she spoke on prayer. The video is recorded in 2008, I believe. There are a number of children being dedicated to the Lord by their parents. At, at some point, the microphone to pray over these children is handed to a five-year-old boy. It's not something that he's memorized It's something that he knows. It's an authority, even in a five-year-old, that is held there. He starts to pray over those that are being dedicated and to decree what God wants to do in these children's lives so that God can be glorified and the kingdom of God advanced. I watch this video about five or six times a year because I I get all teary and it, it just motivates me. You can go to YouTube video and just type in five-year-old praise at T.D. Jake's church, and this is what you see. Let us pray. I decree and declare, God, you granted the children supernatural strength and ability to fight, a good fight of faith. I decree and declare, they are qualified to share in Jesus' inheritance. I decree and declare they are reconciled to God. I decree and declare they are firmly rooted, built up, and established. 
If a five-year-old can get it, I'm sure you can too. I'm sure you can. If he was here this morning, they'd be lined up out the doors getting him to pray over them. Different situations need different declarations. Various battle requires God to be revealed in various ways. I, I pray for, for different groups and types of people. I pray for individuals. I pray for families, for people groups, for cities, for nations. When I'm driving around the outskirts of Calgary or driving on one of the high ridges of this city, I'm often decreeing from Acts chapter 8 that there will be great joy in this city as a result of the revelation of Jesus. I have a colleague in ministry who travels the length and breadth of this land declaring and decreeing Canada shall be saved. Psalm chapter 2 says, and allows me to declare the promise of God, ask of me and I will give the nations as an inheritance to you. There are nations in my heart and I pray words of declaration and decree the word of the Lord over their governments and over their institutions and over their people. Debbie was speaking to the launch team in Strathmore in June and one of the things that she declared over that team was that they would find favor everywhere they went. Eric and I were in the school where they meet on Thursday, and we found great favor, great favor in that place. And Cheryl was talking to City Parks Department and found that they were so helpful and accommodating in Strathmore for our picnic that, that they just seemed to be unable to do enough for us. It's favor. There are people in our church who have family members that are con not connected with Jesus or, or need to be reconciled to Jesus. And when I'm praying over your family, I thank God for your connection to Jesus. And I declare the word of promise out of Acts you and your household shall be saved. It's a promise, and I'm seeing some great signs of turnaround in this whole area. I'm consistently and constantly praying for provision. So many great declarations in scriptures. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I have never seen their seed begging for bread. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Father, today, give us our daily bread. Healing is one area that I'm really going after these days. It's been spoken over this house that we are a people with healing in our hands. And there's been some, we've seen some things that inspire us, but, but it's my desire to see cancers disappear and MS become a footnote in history and strength come of all sorts of weakness and depression and anxiety and fear lift here while we're standing in the presence of God. There are places that and people that inspire me when I'm discouraged. I read a lot 
lot of Bill Johnson, and, and I watched Bethel people. They've had some incredible breakthroughs. Heidi Baker is a person who walks into dark places and starts to undo and destroy the works of the devil. Climates change when we are filled with the authority, when we declare the truth and decree the work of God to be done. By your stripes we are healed, is my battle cry these days. I'm finding myself directed to pray life into, over, and through different places that I go. It seems that hope has died in this city. It seems that expectation has passed on and that people have given up. And I feel prompted to pray that the life of God comes sweeping through this graveyard and wakes up people to all that God has for them. The other day I was in line waiting to pick up something at the store. And I, you know what it's like just to be sort of in another world. I, I'm there, but I'm not there. I'm thinking of other things. And I, I feel that someone's looking at me. And I look, and over here, there's a man whose head is bowed down, and he's looking at me through his eyebrows. And it's not just he's looking at me. His lips are curling, and he sort of looks like Leroy Brown's dog. And I'm thinking, well, I said to him, did I cut in front of you or something? You know, like, and he just... You know, in Superstore, that's an unusual thing to have happen. And I, I, I right away thought, we're not dealing with normalcy here. There's a spirit that we're fighting. And so I just stood and I smiled at him and I started and he got madder and madder and I thought if he's Leroy Brown's dog and that chain breaks, I'm gone. It's, I'm done. I'm done. And finally he just backed away and he walked out. I decree and I declare that I am the representative of God to my generation and that I have the ability to change atmospheres and to undo and destroy the works of the evil one. Jesus says to you and says to me, this is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Will you stand with me this morning?